Everyone who knows me knows that my dogs are never short on outfits. I buy leashes and collars like some people buy shoes and handbags. And my favorite collar is Iggy's custom-made Paco collar. Paco collars are 100% handmade from scratch by an amazing staff of artists, and the quality really is unparalleled. My dogs can't have collars that don't withstand wear and tear. They hike, they swim, they roll on dead stuff. These collars are guaranteed to last a lifetime, and they're designed to be worn by active dogs like mine. Iggy's collar is perfect for her. It's got purple stones, stars, and a beautiful design. There are literally thousands of design options to choose from, but don't worry. The staff at Paco loves helping customers pick out the best collar for their pets. That's exactly what they did when I went to their booth with Iggy. And they make stuff for humans too, so get over to PacoCollars.com and buy the best collar you've ever had, and don't forget to enter promo code COGDOG for free shipping. Hey there, dog people of the internet. It's me, Sarah Strumming of The Cognitive Canine, and this is Cog Dog Radio, a podcast about all things dog sports and dog training. Join me as I explore my cases and considerations regarding the behavior of the dogs we live and play with. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, so a lot of you listened to the three-part series on Synergy, the Whippet, and if you haven't, um, I really recommend it. It's a case study on a Whippet that I worked with for a while who had some just performance issues and agility, mostly pertaining to just how exciting agility is and A lot of you have commented to me, sent me emails, and also made some really uh, lovely comments in person when I've seen you um, about how helpful that podcast was, that case series was. Um, So thank you if you're one of the people who thanked me for it. Um, I'm very glad. I always hope that these things can be helpful. I mentioned in the podcast that I would do a separate episode regarding using a ring exit type of procedure to change behavior. So basically leaving the ring in competition. So not allowing the dog to continue um, on the course after a certain behavior. Because I mentioned briefly that that is something that we did with Synergy regarding both her dog walk and her start line stay. Um, I wanted to clear it up, talk about it. I know it's surprising probably to a lot of people that I recommended it. Um, and so I just want to get really clear about it, talk about what specifically I did, what a good protocol might look like and what circumstances I think that it's okay to do in. So the first thing that I'm going to address is the fact that everybody always says, you know, but isn't this punishment and aren't you against punishment? And I think we need to clear up some of the terms here because in our English language, We have a lot of negative connotations attached to the word punishment that don't exist if we're using the word punishment to describe procedures in learning. Um, There are four quadrants of operant conditioning. I think most of you guys know that. I am not going to rip apart the quadrants here for a couple of reasons. The one 
the really big reason is that I think it just tends to confuse people. Um, and if you want to get a really nice, solid understanding of of the quadrants, which are uh, positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, positive punishment, and negative punishment, you that's all over the internet. Um, you can also get a learning textbook. Um, you can that information's available to you. Um, and I don't think it's relevant for me to tear it apart here. What I want to tear apart instead is I just want to say, you know, what's important about punishment or reinforcement is that they're both processes. They are not, um, you know, in, in this, in this sense, in when we're actually talking about learning science, they are things that are defined by their effect, by their function. Um, meaning that we can't just label something punishment or reinforcement unless we see what that stimulus has done to behavior because that's how it's defined. So if something suppresses behavior, it is punishment by definition. Um, if something boosts behavior, increases behavior, it's reinforcement by definition. All right. So neither is good or evil. I think a lot of positive trainers, especially, um, which that label in and of itself is very problematic because again, the word positive in learning science doesn't mean what it means to us culturally. Um, it means that a stimulus has been added. Um, it doesn't, you know, when I say positive before I say reinforcement or punishment, you don't want to think happy, good rainbows. You want to think addition plus sign. And so, again, back to my point, small tangent there, positive trainers or force-free trainers or, you know, whatever. I hate all those labels. I think none of them are helpful, but I think you guys know what I'm talking about. Most of my listenership, um, although not all of it, which I really respect, um, tend to think of punishment as, you know, the one with the devil horns on it and then reinforcement as the one with the halo on it. And that's just not true. It's just not real. Nothing, it's not good or evil. It's just, you know, effect on behavior. And so when someone says to me, you know, I'm surprised that you used punishment with synergy, I always want to say, well, let's talk about that. And let's, let's get really real about what it is you're really surprised about. Because I think that what uh, Carrie and I did with Synergy was a good procedure that had the desired effect without um, any unintended fallout. So it had the desired effect and it did not appear to create undesired behaviors. And I was comfortable with it and so was Carrie. And so to me, that's, that's the definition of a good training procedure. Um, the trainer was comfortable carrying it out. She was capable of doing it. The dog didn't show any residual behaviors that were problematic. And the behavior was solved. So um, I'm really proud of the way that we handled uh, Synergy's kind of some of her broken ring behaviors. So I'm going to break down the procedure that we actually did for Synergy now before I get too much deeper into you know, the circumstances under which I think this is a good idea um, or anything like that. So 
we're going to now just dive in and rip apart that protocol. So Synergy's specific protocol looked like this, and I'm going to address this um, specifically with the dog walk, although we did use it for her start line stay as well. First of all, she already had a history of the behavior of self-releasing from the dog walk being reinforced in the ring. So she was trained to do a stopped contact, um, a stopped two-on-two off on the dog walk, and then she wasn't giving it to Carrie in the ring when cued. She was just kind of blasting through the contact in the ring, and that had already gone on for several months. And so she had a reinforcement history for that behavior um, in the ring, which is part of the reason that we went through this, that we wound up landing on this um, ring exit protocol. And so I will just put a plug in here for you to be very protective of your baby dog's behaviors when you start entering them. Um, your contacts should look nice when you first enter. Um, you should, you know, you should pretty much be seeing the behaviors look the way they do in training when you first enter the ring. If they don't, you absolutely want to get clear about that um, and go back to some high rates of reinforcement in training for those behaviors. Um, so the first thing we did was we did return to some very high levels of reinforcement for the correct behavior in training. So um, Sin was cued to hit her two on two off and she was reinforced handsomely every time that that happened. We also adjusted the reinforcement strategy a little bit. Um, I stopped having Carrie walk up and feed her in position. I started having Carrie release her ahead to a toy or a remote food reinforcer. Um, reason being that feels more sustainable to me. Everything, of course, is a hypothesis, but this has worked out pretty well for me so far is to um, once the initial two on two off behavior is acquired to stop reinforcing it in position and to start reinforcing reinforcing that by releasing the dog ahead to its reinforcer and then to me it feels like that translates better to um, later on when you're actually just releasing the dog ahead to equipment which and that's reinforcing your two on two off so we did that first. We also addressed um, the handler. We addressed Carrie's cues. So we made I made sure that she was not, you know, pausing and then moving, but that she was moving continuously through the contact or, or that basically her body was doing the same thing every time and that her verbals were the same every time and that she was really clear on her releases. So we needed to address that as well. So all of that was taken care of. And then um, we're still getting misses in uh trials when we weren't getting them in regular training setups so we did some overtraining by um you know producing some really exciting situations in which synergy might want to break her contact and we found one um that would consistently get sin to break her contact which was um if carrie threw a toy for her other dog um, or let her other dog sprint past. Rapidly retreating object, very attractive to whip it, and um, she wanted to break. So we actually just used that one to our advantage because we needed to introduce Synergy to the ring exit procedure before she was actually going to be in a ring. And this is one piece where I think people go wrong is the first time the dog ever sees being removed from the ring as a consequence is in a trial, which is a 
really crappy uh, learning situation because you remove the dog and then they go up for like an hour, another couple of hours, sometimes longer than that, depending on the trial, before they get to run again, before they get to try again. And there's no situation that we would do that to them in training, that we would remove them from the opportunity for reinforcement and then not provide them with the opportunity for reinforcement again hours later. That's that's a terrible learning scenario. So in training, I said, you know, Carrie and I figured out, okay, what are you going to do when you leave the ring? You're going to turn to the judge, raise up your hand and say thank you before you remove your dog. So I said, you're going to introduce that to her here now. So we induced the failure um, of missing the contact by sending the other dog by. I had Carrie turn to the invisible, invisible judge and say thank you. And then just had her takes in and put her up in the van. Um, and then she just trained her other dog for a minute, put her other dog up, got Sin back out, um, and retried again and then reinforced, uh, really heavily. We actually got her to where she would not break even in those tougher circumstances, um, in training. And that's when I knew that we were ready to kind of put this to action. It really only took a couple of times in trials for Sin's dog walk to look much better. So again, some really important pieces here. You've got to make sure that your reinforcement history for that behavior is very strong. Um, Basically for it to be fair, you've got to have the dog understand how to choose the behavior that's going to get them to reinforcement. If they have too muddy of a history of what's going to get them to reinforcement, you're just going to confuse them. Um, with a ring exit procedure. And so then I addressed the human, made sure she was being very clear. We introduced um, synergy to the queue, which was going to be Carrie turning to the judge and saying, thank you. And then we're going to be very consistent about it. Um, And it's kind of a heartbreaking thing to do, especially if the dog actually did hit the yellow and then you have to hit the ring, or I'm sorry, leave the ring. Um, but it's a smart thing to do if you're going to do it consistently right up front. Um, and what's important for me to note as well is that I hate calling this the walk of shame. That's kind of a culturally popular thing in agility because there shouldn't really be any shame here. And you're once you leave the ring, everything should pretty much be normal. Dogs should get their cookies and go on their walk or whatever they have as their normal after the run routine. Um, Everything should be normal after that. It shouldn't be, let's leave the ring and, you know, I drag you to your crate and throw you in. I've definitely seen people do that. I've seen people storm out with their dog. No, you're not getting anything for that. No, you can't have any cookies, blah, blah, blah. Um, act normal after that. The If you have shown the dog the cue, the thank you to the judge cue, leads you to essentially what is a timeout, essentially a brief Uh, removal from the opportunity to have reinforcement, then it's not necessary for you to then also be a jerk. Um, Let the punishment speak for itself. Let the procedure speak for itself. You don't need to be an ass on top of it. Um, And so some of the circumstances, circumstances under which I think this is a good idea would be like Synergy with the Dog has a history of reinforcement for the incorrect behavior in the ring and you might need um, something else to convince them to 
you know, try the other thing that you've been building up in the other scenarios. It's imperfect. It's not the best thing to have to do. But those are some of the circumstances under which I think it's fine. Again, you've got to not be a jerk about it. If you're ever a jerk about it, it's not fine. Um, watch for fallout. So pay attention. If your dog starts to look stressed, meaning they're sniffing, they're walking through their contact, they're avoiding the contact, they're jumping off the contact and barking at you. Um, basically their behavior is changing, but it's changing in a negative manner. Then the procedure is having, um, an effect that you don't want it to have. It's having unnecessary, unwanted fallout, and that is not good. So you've got to change what you're doing if that's happening. You always observe and respond. You always just look at what's happening and then adjust your procedure as necessary. Um, and then the most problematic that thing that I see with ring exits is just inconsistency with it. Um, people who don't pull the dog from the ring until they actually get called on a miscontact, even though you know the previous two contacts, the dog did bail, did not listen to the handler, but they hit the yellow. So the person kept running. That's a problem. You can't do that. Um, you know, things like that. So once you decide to go this route, you have to stick the course. Otherwise it's not fair. Um, it's not fair to them. It's not fair to you either because they're just going to have this ongoing battle. And then other than that, I just think that we all need to be nice, um, and be nice to our dogs. And here's a novel idea. Let's be nice to each other as well. Because passing judgment on a person who has chosen to leave the ring with their dog is not cool. You have no idea what's going on. You have no idea what procedure they're trying to train. Um, you also have no idea how crappy their day is. And maybe they just don't have it in them to finish that Grand Prix course after the dog misses the weave pull entry. Um, I know that I've been in that situation before where, you know, life was hard and I was chasing a final Grand Prix queue and... Second, the dog made an error, error, man, I didn't want to be out there anymore. So we'd head for the exit and I would still tell my dog she was wonderful and, you know, go through a bag of cookies and go on a long walk and whatever. But it's important to know that you don't know a person's circumstances. So in, they might even look like they're being mean to their dog. And if they are and you feel like it's uncalled for and you want to say something to them, the best time to say it to them is not right when they leave the ring. Um, I've definitely made this mistake. I've seen others make this mistake. Uh, it's something that I want to work on. I want to have open conversations with people as opposed to open fire on people who are doing something that I don't think is okay. And understand that if the person is being abusive, it is the judge's job to call them out. And if the judge chooses not to call them out, then it's probably a good idea for you to give it a minute, talk to them later about it, um, or maybe talk to somebody that they're closer to, um, to have them talk about it. And then on the, uh, non-judging line, I just have a little final note that, um, previously in the Synergy podcast, I had mentioned, I think my exact words were, um, everybody's greatest fear in agility is a slow dog. And it's come to my attention that that was insulting to some people. And so I just want to clarify what I meant because I certainly, did not mean to upset or insult anyone. Um, I ran a pretty slow dog uh, for a long time as my first dog, and I loved him to pieces and didn't love the sport any less um, because he was slow. And so what I meant by that was just that people do tend to, in the sport, seek um, 
faster and faster dogs. And I think seeking out dogs like that gets us into trouble um, a lot of the time in our sport. And so that's what, that's all I meant to say. Um, If you've got a breed maybe that is never going to be super fast, maybe you are an avid Basset Hound agility competitor and you love them and you never want, um, you know, anything different than I applaud you. I'm glad that you run the dog that you love. And I really sincerely did not mean to upset anyone when I said that. Um, because I think that as long as you love your dog and your dog loves agility, I, it really doesn't matter what speed they are. It matters least of all to me. So hopefully, um, if you felt insulted by that, I hope that I've cleared it up. Um, I certainly did not mean to, upset anyone and I value my entire listenership whether they have fast dogs or slow dogs or don't run agility at all and then my final thought has to do with um the GPS trackers you guys have sent me all kinds of information on GPS collars and trackers and I do think that I finally made a decision but when I do and when I actually buy them I will let you all know So thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to CogDog Radio. If you have questions or suggestions, shoot them over to CogDogRadio at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to like the CogDog Radio Facebook page. And until next time, happy training.